Good morning. It is good to see those who are here who braved it through the roads and the sidewalks of Edmonds. And it is good to see you uh, who are joining us online. Um, I'm Pastor Eric, children's pastor. I'm so uh, excited and honored to have the privilege of preaching and speaking uh, this morning. I want to just jump in and we're going to read the passage. And we're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 12. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open to Romans chapter 12, and we, I, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 so you can listen and follow along. This is Paul speaking. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Will you join me as we pray and ask the Spirit to lead us and guide us in this time? Father, we come before you. We have sung songs of worship of how great you are, songs filled with thankfulness and gratitude for your love and the salvation and the life that you give to us. And now we continue our worship through opening your word. We ask, Father, that you will speak to us through your Spirit. We ask that you will work and change and mold our hearts, conform us and change us to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, again, I, uh, I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. I, tr- I trust that you uh, were able to enjoy and spend time with uh, family and with friends and, uh, and also have a lot of good food. Um, if you're at home, maybe you're kind of like, it's kind of good because I you know, didn't have to put on dress pants. I just got to keep my sweats on. Um, you know, one thing, when I married into uh, my family, my, my wife's mother is Filipino, and so I kind of was introduced into the Filipino culture. And one thing that I didn't know but that I learned is that in the Filipino culture, when you celebrate, you eat food, and you eat a lot of food. And, and the way that they calculate how much food you eat is they take the number of expected attendee, of attendees, they multiply that by 10, and they expect you to eat half of that, okay? <laughs> so yesterday at Christmas, we were celebrating, and it was wonderful, and, but we had so much food. And you know what comes after Christmas, after the Christmas meal, right? You get the food coma, right? You sit down, and you're just questioning many life choices that you had made earlier that day and, and what you ate. Uh, and you're just wondering, oh, what am I going to do next? And it's hard to move. It's hard to take another step. Well, there's the food coma, but then there's also something that perhaps you might, may have have experienced or are experiencing this very moment, I call it the Christmas coma, all right? The Christmas coma is it comes right after, it could happen on Christmas Day or the day after Christmas, and you have just spent all that, all the many weeks leading up to Christmas preparing for celebrating Christmas with your family, with your friends, getting gifts, getting uh, the food prepped and ready, and it was great, but now it's done. And you just kind of sit back and you're like, whew, what's next? 
And you kind of ponder that thought for a little while. For a, a little while. Well, I think that's a good thought that I want to kind of jump onto, and that is of what's next. What comes after Christmas? But I want to kind of take it a different direction and, and say, well, what's next? We have just spent uh, the good part of a month of reflecting on and celebrating the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the coming of our Lord and Savior. And we celebrated and recognized uh, yesterday that he came into this world so that we could have salvation. So then the obvious question that comes from that is, so what's next for us? Well, that actually ties in with the passage that we're going to be looking at today in Romans chapter 12, because in this very verse, Paul is answering that question of what's next in light of the salvation that God has given to us. Now, Pastor James, as he was leading us through worship, he took us through a few verses. We read them together aloud um, of earlier in Romans of how God loved us while we were still sinners and that he chose to save us and make a way of salvation possible. And so here in Romans, as we're jumping into Romans chapter 12, Paul is answering that question of, so God has provided his son, he has provided salvation, so what's next? And and his response is is very, it's right there in in verse one. He says, so I appeal to you, therefore, based on everything that you've heard, everything that you've reflected on, brothers, by the mercies of God, what's next? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So as we have reflected on the salvation provided through Jesus Christ, through his incarnation, we now take the next step of that. And the next step is to offer our bodies, to present our bodies as living sacrifices, right? And so that's real easy, right? Because we all know what a living sacrifice does. Not exactly. It's, it, it's ne- that's not very clear. It's very nebulous. It's very broad. And so in Romans, Paul actually takes the next four chapters to explain this is how you present your body as a living sacrifice. This is what you do to present your body as a living sacrifice. And, and he wants the believers to understand that Christians need to display the reality of God in a new way of living. He wants to make sure that Christians are displaying the reality of salvation, the reality that Jesus Christ really did come into this world, that ought to reflect itself in a new way of living among Jesus followers, among believers, And so it reflects itself in a body presenting itself as a living sacrifice. So what does that look like? Well, the first thing Paul shares in what we do and what it looks like is that we are transformed. And so in verse 2, he kind of focuses on that um, that one idea that first step that we take as we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And so the first step to being a living sacrifice is being transformed. And Paul is going to then answer the question for us, how are we transformed? 
Paul's going to answer that question. How are we transformed? And that's where we're going to land today. That's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning, is asking that question and answering, how are we transformed in Christ? And so he moves on, and the first, there's two things that he says about this transformation. The first thing is that transformation happens when we stop conforming to the world. He says it right in verse two, do not be conformed to the world. Now, you might be thinking at that point in time, well, whew, dodge that bullet because I am not trying to be conformed by the world. I am not like intentionally doing anything to allow the world to conform me, and which I would say, too bad you're wrong. Because what Paul's, he, there, there's something here that's kind of hidden in the Greek text. We can't quite see it in the English, but in the Greek translation, the word for uh, that he's saying of do not be conformed, it has this idea that, that this forming that is happening, it's constant and it's ongoing. All right, so it never stops. It's not like you were conformed at one time, uh, they, they, it formed you at once and then it's done. It's this ongoing formation that is being pressed upon you. And the idea of being conformed is that it's from the outside coming in. Now, I, I recently experienced the pressures of being conformed to the ways of the world. And that was this last Christmas season uh, when it came to decorating my house for Christmas. Okay? Now, I have vowed. I have made a vow that I will never have an inflatable Christmas decoration in my lawn. I am sorry if I have offended you, all right? I am okay with you having an inflatable decoration Christmas ornament in your yard, uh, but I personally have made a vow that I will not do that. Now, I think lights are good. I think lights are enough. However, this past Christmas, my boys started noticing the decorations all around. And we're driving, and suddenly they're saying, Daddy, Daddy, can't we add more? Can't we get some of the... Look, at, they have a floating Santa Claus. They have a Rudolph in their yard. And I'm like, it's, it's a, boys, we, we just need... Lights is enough. It's good enough. And, and, and then it got worse because our neighborhood start put, starts to put up more lights. Now, I have a little a video I want to show you. My, my dad was in town, and he actually took this video. This is just a few houses down from where I live. So I want you to understand the pressure that, uh, that I was up against here. So if we can just show that video of the uh, Christmas lights, uh, just a few houses down. <clears throat> See, we're moving along. Mm-hmm. Oh, it keeps going. <clears throat> it's still going. You think it should be done, but nope, there's more. Oh, my word. It just doesn't stop. And those are just a couple houses. Now, what you need to also know is that those decorate, that, that one house, there's one house that puts puts Clark Griswold to shame. I mean, it, it, it sprawls into the neighbor's yards. All right, but we're driving by this every day, and I'm looking at this, and I'm constantly being reminded of how I am falling short of that standard, right? And then the boys change tactics. They go from saying, Dad, we really want to have Christmas lights, to every time we drive by a house with beautiful lights, they just let out a big sigh. Oh, I bet you they're excited about their lights. 
I was like, where did you learn that? Like, and, and if it's not, if I didn't feel the pressure from the neighbors and from my boys, I'm driving and then my wife turns and said, it's true. And I'm like, I couldn't help it. And so I'm like, fine, we're going to beef this up. We're going to get some more lights. And I go to Home Depot and I look and guess what? Because it's a few days before Christmas, all the lights are gone. But do you know what's still there? An inflatable baby Yoda. And there's an inflatable Santa. And I'm thinking to myself, man, the neighbors, my boys, my own wife. And I slap myself and I say, no, Eric, you can't do that. I, but I thought, I thought maybe this is the year to get an inflatable. And I couldn't believe that I had that thought come across me. I never thought I would even consider that. But with all the pressures from the outside pressing in, eventually I was about to give in. Now, I'm here to report that I did not buy any inflatables, okay? But I wanted you to know the pressures were there. Now, why do I share this story? All right, because the reality is we are constantly experiencing the pressures from the outside world to conform us into the, its own image. And the idea, again, of conforming is it's these outside influence pressing in against us. And it's always happening. It, it doesn't stop. It's relentless. And, and for some of these pressures that we feel of conforming into the image of the world, it's, it seems pretty obvious. It's, it's pretty blatant. Like, for example, you might feel the pressure that you need to be politically correct in everything that you say. You have to say something uh, in, a, in a certain way or don't say something a certain way so that you can conform to those around you. That might be one pressure that you feel. You might also feel the pressure that you need to identify with one group, one, one political party. You might feel these broad, these big pressures against you to conform to a certain image. But I think I would say that there are actually more subtle and precise ways that the world conforms us, that it, it applies pressures in, in unique ways that, are, that have a deeper impact the world can conform us to, to think and pressure us to think that our rights come first before the rights of those around us. The world can continue to pressure us and cause us to, to think that, you know what, the money that you have earned is your. You, you worked hard for it and you should spend it on yourself. It's yours to decide what you do with it. And, and after you've experienced everything that you want, after you have everything you want, then you can consider being selfless and sacrificial with it. The world will, will pressure us in those ways. The world can apply pressure and conform us in a subtle way to think, you know what, it's okay if, if you manipulate relationships and friendships as long as it is good in the end. As long as it works out, the world can add pressure and manipulate us in ways and saying, you know what, as long as you're making a choice that doesn't hurt anyone else, it's okay, it's fine, it's all right. And these are all much more subtle ways that the world influences us and is pressuring us from the outside to conform to its standards, to its values, to its morals or lack thereof. And these are constant pressures, some big, some small, but they're constantly in front of us. From the moment you wake up 
The moment you turn on the radio, you listen to music, you watch a show, you scroll through your social media, you talk to a person, you breathe, you will experience these pressures from the outside, conforming us to an image of the world. And so Paul says, don't be conformed to the world. But he's not saying that we aren't going to be changed and conformed. He's just making the point that it can't be to the world. It's, it's, not, uh, an, it's not that being conformed isn't an option. It's but to what are you going to be formed after? What image will you take on? Because at the end of the day, as humans, as people, we're creatures of habit. Falling into patterns is part of what it means to be human. How many of you woke up and you ate something and you got dressed? Everyone here live did that, thank you, right? We have patterns that we do. We're human. We were created in the image of God. As Christians, we are disciples. And what is a disciple? It is a follower of Jesus and a follower of Jesus, Jesus patterns themselves to look like Jesus. So we're constantly being reshaped. We're constantly being formed. The question is, into what? What is molding us? What is forming us? And he says, do not be conformed to this world, even though it is constantly trying to form you whether you recognize it or not. So we need to evaluate our patterns and our habits and to see where the world has formed us. And again, a lot of these ways, a lot of this formation has happened in very subtle ways, almost secret. And so one might then be overwhelmed and ask, well, well how can I even know how the world is shaping me? How, how can I even know what pressures the world is putting on me and, and what it wants to shape me like? And, and we should ask that question. And Paul has an answer for that. And it leads to the second point of how we are transformed. So transformation happens when we don't conform to the world but secondly, transformation happens when our minds are renewed. So he goes on, he says, so don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Again, here, the first thing we got to point out is the, the, the word transformed and the meaning behind it. What, what's packed in there? Again, we don't see, see it fully, but in the Greek, there's some, there's some things coming out to us. And, and the idea is that this transformation this, of renewal is an ongoing process, all right? And that is really important to understand because I don't know about you, but I would, it would be really nice if I could just say, all right, I want to be transformed, there, I made that decision. Good for the rest of my life. Good for the year. Like, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be great if you could just say one time, I want to be transformed, and then it's done? But that's not how it works. 
Paul says, continuously be transformed. It's an ongoing process that will never stop. And while it might at sometimes seem daunting, there's actually great joy and relief because it means that there are second chances. It means that there is hope, that we have the ability to be continually transformed. So renewal is an ongoing process. Secondly, it's in the passive voice. For all you grammar people out there, you're like, oh, this is beautiful. For everyone else, you're like, what? Okay, what that means is this is an action that is happening to us. It's, it's something that's happening to us. So this, this process, this action of transformation is not something that I can do by myself. It's not something that I can do by my own strength but rather being transformed is something that happens to us. And what Paul is getting at here, what he's showing here, is that renewal is spirit-led. It's something that the Spirit does, the Holy Spirit does in our lives. The Spirit is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one who can make the change, who can make the transformation. But so you're like, well, then what, what do I have to do? Do I just kind of like sit back and close my eyes and hold my breath and wait and see what happens? The final aspect of this transformation is that it's imperative, meaning that Paul isn't saying, you know, it might be a good idea for you to consider the idea, the thought of being transformed. Paul is saying, you have got to be transformed. He's not giving us an option. He's saying it's necessary. Why is it necessary? Because the world is conforming you right now as we speak. So you have got to be transformed. So the third thing about renewal is that it is ours to initiate. So renewal of the mind is an ongoing process that is spirit-led, but it's ours to initiate. We have got to be the ones to initiate it. And the second thing to understand about this transformation of the renewal of the mind is that it's in contrast to being conformed to the world. So remember over here, being conformed, you have these outward pressures, right? The, the world is pressing in on us to shape us and to conform us. Over here, in a spirit-led transformation, Transformation comes from the word that we get metamorphosis, right? And so you think of a butterfly, right? Inside, the, the change happens from within. So the world is trying to conform you externally, but, but in Christ, in our new life, the transformation happens internally. And it has to happen that way because our minds are actually, believe it or not, really corrupt, Paul makes mention of this earlier, very early on in Romans chapter 1 and verse 28 when he talks about the mind of those who have not received the Holy Spirit, the mind of those who do not follow Jesus. He says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips. And it, he goes on and on and on to paint a picture, to give us an idea of this is what our minds are made of. 
This is the tendency of our mind. This is why we need it to be renewed and it has to be an act of the Holy Spirit because it is so deprived and because it is so corrupt. And this change can only happen from the inside. My, my parents were in town and as I was, we were talking about stories and, and I asked my dad, I was like, do you remember that time at our church when we had skunks? And, and I'll remember, I was a child and we were walking in our church. It, they kept kind of like adding on to it as the years went on. And so you had these like long stretches of hallways. And there's this one season when you'd be walking um, back to the gym. And of course, you know, as a kid, that's like where you live. And so we were walking back to the gym and then you just get to this hallway and it's, oh, what just happened? And there's this funky smell going on. And, you know, for a while, you know, you try to figure out, well, like, what's, what's that smell? And so you, you cover it up, right? You get some Febreze, you get some carpet cleaner, you put some, uh, you know, put some candles out there or something like that. But the smell wasn't going away. They later found that the smell was coming from skunks. A family of skunks had burrowed under that hallway and was living right there. And so that stench was there until they dealt with the issue of the skunks themselves. And it's interestingly enough, even after they dealt with the skunks, do you think the smell disappeared right away? It lingered. It was a process to get that smell out of there. But until you could deal with the actual issue of the skunks underneath, there was no sense in spraying Febreze, because then you got a cocktail that you just did not want to smell, all right? <laughs> And so Paul is saying, hey, you've got to be transformed, which is an inward act that is led by the Spirit. And this is going to be a lot more difficult, a lot more time-consuming than just being conformed from outward pressures because we are talking about the inward mind that the Spirit is working and changing. The old mind is a hard thing to change, but renewal can happen. It's spirit-led, but we need to initiate it. One commentary when talking about the work of the spirit in renewal of the mind said, much of the work is done by God's spirit in us, and the tool most frequently used is God's word. So this transformation, the renewal of the mind is happening through the spirit, but the tool of the Holy Spirit is God's word. And this is why it's so important that we as believers understand that, that not only do we have to be open and say, yes, Holy Spirit, I am ready and I'm willing and I want you to change me, but we also have to have available the tool that the Holy Spirit uses in our life for that transformation which is the word of God. That's why we're always, almost every Sunday, you will hear us talking about the importance of daily devotions, of reading the word of God, of internalizing the word of God, because it is the Holy Spirit's main tool in renewing our mind. And so to not know the word of God, to not think that the word of God is important, is it's like expecting a painter to paint a beautiful portrait without a brush. It's like expecting a baker to bake something delicious, delicious, but not using flour or sugar. It's like expecting a surgeon to remove something, but saying, don't use a scalpel, please. It just, it doesn't work well. And so the word of God is the tool that the Holy Spirit uses to renew us. And we have got to understand that as we are in the process of 
asking the Spirit to transform our minds? Are we giving the Holy Spirit opportunity to use the Word of God in our lives? So if this process is Spirit-led, ours to initiate, but the Spirit to make the changes, then that leads to the conclusion that we have got to be the ones who are listening for the work of the Spirit. We've got to be the ones who are asking the Spirit and looking for the Holy Spirit in our lives. The staff, uh, the church staff is currently reading through a book called The Me I Want to Be. And in that book, the, the author and pastor, John Ortberg, he, he gives this great illustration. Uh, and it's, it's an illustration of looking for something that most people pass by. And he talks about an experiment that was done. Um, They recorded this man, Joshua Bell, who is a world-renowned violinist. And they recorded him playing the violin in the subway. Now, this is a man who, for most people, to be able to watch and see him perform, you would have to pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to attend a concert. And here he is in the subway playing his violin. I have a video of it. Let's watch a little and see what happens. stop the video there. It goes on. You can watch more if you want. I watched that, and I don't know if you were looking, counting. I, I saw one person, one person that paused and stopped. And I, and I watched that video, and I think to myself, how, like, how sad, you know, that here is a world-renowned musician performing for everyone to hear, and yet no one stops to listen. No one stops to hear the music and the sound. It's sad. And yet, that can be us. In this process of transformation, God is saying, I want, your, I want you to be transformed. I have given you the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. All you have to do is initiate it, and all you have to do is listen to me. And I don't mean listen like, you know, like, hey, I'm ready to listen, but I'm really going to talk for 10 minutes. Not that kind of listen. Like an actual, I am going to sit down. I'm going to meditate on your word. I'm going to wait to hear from you. That's what he's asking from us. 
And yet, because the pressures of the world are conforming us, constantly impressing against us, the noise gets louder and louder, and it's the noise of the subway all around us, and we become distracted, so distracted that we can't stop, and we can't pause and listen and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our minds and in our hearts. We need to take the time to pause. Now, Paul says, so to be transformed, you need to stop conforming to the world, and and transformation happens when our minds are renewed. And he goes on and he shares one amazing thing about this transformation, of what it leads to. And and if not, and and so again, in the broader context, when we are transformed, that is one step in the direction of living as presenting our bodies as as, as a living sacrifice. But there's another benefit, a huge perk that comes with a, tr- a renewed mind. And that, that is that transformation gives discernment to the future. I think that's pretty cool. He says, so be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by, the te- that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He's saying, listen, when your mind is renewed, you have a a, a new perspective to understand the will of God. Now, I don't know about you, but going into 2022, I'm a little cautious because last year I was pretty excited for 2021. Turned out it wasn't that good. Okay, and I think a lot of us might be on edge, right? We we're like, okay, get it. we thought getting out of 2020 was going to be good, but turns out 2021 was not as good, if not worse. So, really, what is 2022 going to bring? Is anyone else like feeling a little angst on that? Maybe it's just me, but there is great peace in knowing that through a renewed mind, we can have discernment into God's will. God's will in our very lives. We can know and understand what actions we ought to take place because we have thousands of decisions placed before us every single day and we get discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit to know what is good, what is pleasing, what is perfect, what we ought to do. And that is a great hope. It doesn't matter if it's 2021 or 2041, doesn't matter what year it is. When we have renewed minds, we have discernment into God's will for our lives. And that should excite us. That should encourage us to want to pursue that, to invite the Holy Spirit in to transform our minds. And so this year, what I am asking for you and and I ask of myself is that we would listen for the Holy Spirit, that we would allow him to work in our mind, to transform our minds, to give us new minds so that we can live, so that we can walk in a way that is pleasing and holy and acceptable to God. You know, we don't know what the year ahead is going to bring, but we do know that God will guide every step that we take along the way as we seek him with a new mind. So will you join me this year in having a new mind transformed by Christ? Will you pray with me? Father, we are encouraged this morning. I hope we are encouraged this morning that you are with us 
and that you offer us hope because you offer us real change. You offer us an opportunity to to not be conformed by the ways of the world, to be conformed by others, but to be transformed inwardly to become more like you, to live for you, to understand your great will for our lives. And so, Father, help us in the days, weeks, months ahead to listen to you, to listen for your spirit, Help us to give the time to meditating on your word, to knowing your word, to reading your word, so that it might be a tool that the Holy Spirit would use to change and transform our minds for you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.